going everyone here we are another week of good movie monday it's uh the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings i thought i'd get straight into it this week glenn cochran here it's good to be in the chair once again and uh after a couple of weeks stuck at home with a case of covid here he is mr ben Helwig. how you going i'm good i'm good i was trying to fa- i was gonna fake cough i don't want to really cough on the microphone uh, <laughs> it's uh, already been up my ass so go for it that's why it smells so nice <laughs> So fruity. Back in action, live at the desk. How's the bod, mate? Oh, you know, it's getting there. It's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal having <laughs> the old COVID, really. Tell that to Melzy. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's terrible. It's not great, but it, for me anyway, it was just like having a, a, a flu. <laughs> Did you hear that, Melzy? No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Fucking stop whinging about it. <laughs> the funny thing was, is that while I had it, I was totally whinging about it. I was all about the whinging about it. <laughs> Did you get up to much while you were crook? No, the problem the problem <laughs> I have when I'm crook and when I'm not crook is that I work from home. <laughs> so really, like admittedly, I, I probably watched or slept through is probably more the appropriate term, <laughs> a couple more movies than normal, but I still had to reply to emails and do, <laughs> you know, you? yeah, well, I probably didn't, but like <laughs> deadlines are still there. It's not like I could miss them. My deadlines got pushed back because I was out for a week. <laughs> It was like, where's this stuff? Uh... <laughs> well, but yeah, but we need this stuff because uh, JB Hi-Fi wants their stuff at this time. Uh, all right. Well, it definitely sucked without you, mate. So zooming just is not the same. So welcome back. Thank you very much. How was it without me? Yeah, it was lonely, mate. Yeah, it was very lonely. I don't. I mean, I work in this office as a day job every day, right, by myself. And so, you know, when, when we when we record these, it's like you this know, this is our social outing for the week. Yeah. I'm going to talk about like decompression a bit on this show, and that's that's how I feel when we get together and record this, mate. I decompress. Yeah. So. <laughs> on Monday morning at <laughs> five o'clock. I am excited about today's show. We have an exclusive interview with uh, Hollywood writer and director David Tui. Um, he's a name that we have mentioned on this show um, more than many others, I guess you could say. Uh, he's someone that I've been chasing for a very, very long time, and so I'm stoked that we managed to land him. If you're not familiar with his name, um, he is the director who made the Riddick movies, the Chronicles of Riddick, Pitch Black, whatnot. He also directed The Arrival and Timescape, and and if that's not you know prolific enough, he's also a great writer, and he wrote Terminal Velocity, Waterworld, The Fugitive, Warlock, G.I. Jane. Like this guy's a name. Will Smith has slapped him in the face numerous times. <laughs> <laughs> Keep my wife's name. Sorry. <laughs> This year actually marks 20 years since the release of his haunted submarine movie, Below, and that's that's the movie that we snagged him on. That's what we are. So we got him to talk about, and that leads us to the theme for this week's show. Last week we talked about Terror on the Highways. This week we're going to dive into Deep Sea Terror. So it's kind of like a, a little movie marathon kind I, of. I feel like... I feel- <laughs> I feel like sometimes when I look at the schedule and I'm like, geez, we're really, really horror, <laughs> I know. horror leaning a lot. <laughs> and sometimes I just want to watch a Hallmark movie. Well, quite often, like, let's give people a little look behind the curtain because we have a schedule for what's coming up, planned out for the whole year, right from the very start. And it is always perfectly 
like scattered so it's you know it's never horror 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 it's you know this and that and and it always looks very good but then we get guests popping up at last minute which means we've got to rearrange things and it always just clumps the same shows together I, the funny thing is, I look at the schedule and I'm like, whose stupid ideas are these? When when are we get into my ideas, like I gave you a ton of ideas right at the start, and then I go back through my notes and I'm like, oh, all those stupid ones are my ones. <laughs> I think today's episode so, was yours, was it not? Yeah, yeah. Like when you told me when you told me when I looked at the schedule and we talked about, it, I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't like deep sea horror movies. <laughs> I can't be bothered doing this. Like, what am I going to talk about? The deep, for the, not the deep, sorry, the uh, deep rising for the 50th time. Well, funny you say that because I really, really struggled with this theme. So be interesting to see what we pull out of our asses. I have to say, like, I, look, I, I also struggled. But then today, I was kind of like, I didn't think I was going to get time to watch the second film, my second film. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll just I'll just um, go back to one that I've seen relatively recently. Yep. And there was a ton. And I'm like, oh, I really could have done no work for this week and just you know just read the Wikipedia page well, I mean, to, as a refresher. That would be just another week, wouldn't it? That would be yeah. That's right. As people who follow me on social media will know, all of the all the marketing I do for Good Movie Monday. Uh, so yes, Ben and you I will. You can't be. even share a post, Ben. We will just be. <laughs> just just share the post. True, it's true. So we will be recommending movies from the deep, and uh, I want to say it's going to be a lot of fun. But you know, let's let's just you know. Yeah. <laughs> pace I'll ourselves. be the judge of that <laughs> once the show is over. <laughs> uh, we do also have our weekly segments. Jarrett Garn's going to come up in a moment with the. Uh, Physical media news, and then there's practically nothing from Guillermo because that son of a bitch is off globe trotting. <laughs> and then, of course, the Boneheads from the Bonehead Weekly in Kentucky are going to come along and practically steal our thunder because that's kind of what they like to do. So. Yeah. Luckily, <laughs> filthy mongrels. <laughs> luckily, they pre record their segments. So I just make sure that when they steal my movie, I do it first. <laughs> so it looks like. They didn't check their notes <laughs> and uh, plan accordingly. And of course, don't forget we are on social media. We're Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Go like and subscribe to those and check us out on TikTok too. We want to plump those numbers up so that we can uh, actually exploit their live stream function. That's what I'm, That's my goal. We've got to get enough followers to access that. And I want to go live and do some Q&As with people and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, that's news to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I missed the. F I actually missed the first part. What platform is that? that you want to do it on TikTok too? Oh, TikTok. TikToks do live. Oh God, yes, they're huge. I watch them all the time. They're fantastic. Oh, you see. can go live with your favorite celebrity, and they answer your questions. Yeah, right. The yeah. only th see the only thing I like about TikTok is that you can save the videos onto your phone yeah. and then watch the pervy parts in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, like I always, I just I watch someone's you know someone's video on Instagram and then I'm like I wonder if they put this on TikTok I'm pretty sure I look on TikTok pretty sure then, your yep. messenger is clogged up with videos I've sent you from TikTok that I've downloaded it certainly is <laughs> uh, hey and finally we do have our giveaways so we've got another bunch of giveaways for this month as of right now there's a whole bunch up that are new that weren't there last month including the Dead End DVD Blu-ray that's up for grabs this month it is Ricky O the story of Ricky you know what up until like now in this moment, I've always said Rikio because R-I-K-I. That's just because you're an Aussie. Well, isn't Rikio? I thought Rikio was a martial arts term. And it was what well, was Rikio, the story of Ricky. But everyone's telling me it's Ricky, so... Yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, as far as I know, it's always been Ricky 
ballad, the ballad of the story, the ballad of Ricky, oh, R- Ricky, the story of whatever it is, but it's always been Ricky. Let's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Ricky, don't lose that number. It's the only one you want. Well, anyway, for a chance to win that and all the other prizes, head to goodmoviemonday.com and have a stab. You can't win stuff unless you enter stuff, so you know. As I have learned, <laughs> yeah. like I, I, like I, I never win Tats Lotto. But I especially, I double, I double down on the not winning when I don't buy a ticket. Well, that's it, because you know the week that you don't buy a ticket is the week you would have won. If if I had set numbers, that would 100% be true. <laughs> but I am so lazy, even with my, like, bullshit, win a bunch of money so I don't have to try anymore <laughs> strategy of, of dealing with life. Even then, I can't, I'm too lazy to actually pick the numbers. I use the quick pick function. <laughs> Like it's six numbers, Ben. Sit. How hard is between one and forty? Was it forty-four or whatever hey, it is? I, how hard is it to pick six? I've, uh, too hard. I've only ever pick. done a quick pick myself. Yeah. You know, none of this. Um. You know. I heard. I heard somewhere that that quick picks are a mistake because the random number generator that does the quick pick is like diametrically opposed to the random number generator that actually. <laughs> chooses the numbers for the actual win right. so if you do you'll never win but then when i watch that that uh could have been the greatest reality show of all time where that that guy <laughs> um takes uh lotto winners out to buy their homes and they advertise it like it's the lotto winners who have won like <laughs> the the u.s lottery of like 380 billion dollars <laughs> and you're like they're gonna buy like an amusement park and turn that into their house <laughs> But it's people, they've just won a million dollars and they're buying $200,000 houses and you're like, I, could just, I don't need to watch this show for that. Do they still pluck the winners from like ping pong balls in a round thing? Well, they don't, I mean, I, who knows what they do because they don't show it on television and there's no three judges in tuxedos watching <laughs> like there used to be. Yeah, like John Deeks, he, he had integrity. <laughs> we knew that the, the lotto was legit. Now, And it was live. But now, I, but then, remember when Chance, you remember Chances? Of course I do. And the whole, the conceit of Chances was that the lotto was rigged and that it was like an experiment <laughs> by rich people to see how money would fuck up poor people's lives. And you're like, I don't know, Jeremy Sims seemed to get a lot of sex when he wants that one. I don't know how fucked up his life was. Right. I used to like the ones where they put like the blower into the, the round thing and blow the ping pong yeah. balls. That was fun. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So, deep sea, Ben. <laughs> Have you ever scuba dived? No. No? Have you ever bobbed along, along the bottom of the beautiful briny sea? Never. No? Have you ever tried walking with flippers on? Uh, only on dry land. Yes. That's one of the hardest things yeah. in the world to do. Got to walk backwards in those things. I didn't, I'm not smart enough to have thought of that. I just, I remember putting them on <laughs> and having the snorkel, but then going, hang on a second. If I, <laughs> if I have to have, if the snorkel air part has to be above the water, above the, above the water line, then I can literally just get my face in. <laughs> yeah. What is the fucking point of this? I might as well just hold my breath for, and then just come up. I um, I've got to say, I like, never got it. This show planning for it gave me anxiety because I am terrified of the deep sea. And I'll give you a story real quick. When we went on our honeymoon and we went snorkeling, I can snorkel. That's no problem, right? We're out on the Great Barrier Reef. It's hundreds of kilometers from the land, you know. But we're on a beautiful reef, and it's you know maybe three meters deep at the deepest, and they've got beautiful fish. But I made the mistake of swimming to the edge of the reef. And once you're beyond the edge of the reef, it drops off to like the abyss. Like it is absolute blackness. And I can't explain to you what your body goes through when you swim across that precipice. 
from like beautiful coral into absolutely bottomless ocean. Because that's where the Meg lives. That's right. And you just think to yourself, what is down there? Like, yeah. and when you swim over it, you forget that you're floating and there's no danger of like actually like, you know, anything happening. But oof, it's, the, a, it's an out-of-body experience. The funny mate. thing is I did watch, uh, the whole reason that I came up with this topic, right, was that I wanted to watch The Deep. Like <laughs> I've had the Blu-ray, I had the DVD, <laughs> I've just never got around to watching. To watching, I've always wanted to see Jacqueline Bissett in that see-through <laughs> white top, and you know Nick Nolte's in it too. So how bad can it and be? And it's what Peter Benchley. And it's Peter Benchley yeah. who did Jaws. I watched the first ten minutes and I'm like, hang on a second, this is not a horror film at all. There's no terror <laughs> in this. But at in the start, they're they're scuba diving, and she like at one point she's like kind of manhandling a puffer fish, yeah, with all the spikes and everything and the whole bit and. Like nothing happens, and but, I'm like, oh, it could be terrifying. But then I watched it like a TikTok, or <laughs> maybe that you sent me, or or if it's it was on Instagram with this guy like sticking his finger into the mouth of the pufferfish <laughs> and it like biting it off. Yeah. And he's like, "What the hell is?" I actually like I knew you were contemplating doing the deep, and I wasn't gonna say, "Hey, it's not quite a horror film." I was gonna let you go with it because mm. it would have been good to talk about, you know. But you know. Yeah, no, I'll have to wait. That Maybe very, that'll be... Uh, very deceptive film. The cover looks like a horror film. It sounds like a horror film. Peter Benchley, it's kind yeah, of horror. It's like. totally a rip-off of the Jaws, <laughs> except it's except it's Jacqueline Bissett instead of the shark under the water. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise... Yep. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's, uh, let's calm ourselves down now and uh, let's throw it to Jarrett and, and we'll get stuck into it. Hey, this is Jared and welcome to PE Class. Now to start off this week, I've got some news. David Cronenberg's latest movie, Crimes of the Future, well, it's playing Myth and it's going to open in theatres later this month, but it's going to be headed to home entertainment on October 5th. However, Mad Men have not yet revealed whether this title will be coming out on Blu-ray or whether it'll be DVD exclusively. Now also on that date, on October 5th, Roadshow are releasing a pair of Warner titles on 4K UHD. This is great news because these are getting global releases, so it's good news that they're happening locally as well because the price point will probably be under $30, which is pretty good, and those titles are Poltergeist and The Lost Boys. Of course, it is the 40th anniversary of Poltergeist this year and the 35th anniversary of The Lost Boys, so those titles, October 5th. Then the last bit of news I've got for you is that Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment will be releasing The Black Phone on Blu-ray and DVD on October 12th, and it's coming out in a collector's edition. They haven't announced the special features at this stage, but I'm super hyped because it's one of my favourite films of the year. Unfortunately, it's not getting a 4K UHD here or anywhere globally at this point in time. Now, moving on to this week's releases. First up from Universal Sony, we've got Sonic the Hedgehog 2. It's coming out in all the formats, 4K UHD, Blu-ray and DVD. I'm not going to run through the special features because I included them in the news segment weeks ago. Then that Mark Wahlberg film, Father Stew, well, it's going to DVD, no Blu-ray. Then a title, again, if I didn't mention, Glenn would mention that I didn't mention it, Agent Game is coming out on DVD this week. DVD only, no Blu-ray. This one stars Dermot Mulroney, Jason Isaacs, that guy from Captain Phillips that said, I'm the captain now, and uh, Mel Gibson. Like, I mean, Mel Gibson's pretty much slumming it. Come on, let's get that lethal weapon, the new lethal weapon made, and maybe he'll become a hot commodity again. We'll forget all the anti-Semitic stuff. We just need to see Mel in some big budgeted good movies. Then lastly from Universal Sony, Doom, that's right, the video game to movie Doom, not that follow-up Doom Annihilation or whatever it was called. Doom is coming to 4K Ultra HD 
Then the last distributor that I'll mention that's releasing a title this week is ViaVision, and they're releasing the Ginger Snaps trilogy on Blu-ray and DVD. Anyway, that's it for me for this week, so until next time, stay physical. Well, considering like how damn hard Universal pushed the black phone, I'm actually really surprised that hasn't got a Blu-ray release, oh, sorry, 4K release anywhere in the world. That's just absurd. I don't know. Maybe that's something they're going to do later down the road, perhaps like a third wave push, because they went pretty hard on that film. See, now, uh, another peek behind the curtain. <laughs> is that these, <laughs> these segments are pre-recorded. He had so no idea I, what I was going to say. I don't know. And then just before we came back, I said, hey, what did Jared talk about? Oh, I don't remember. Then straight away, <laughs> right into it. So here I am looking like, oh, haven't they? <laughs> okay. That's what you call keeping the spontaneity going, people. It's a, it's a <laughs> puppet master here. <laughs> Pulling Ben's strings. It would be, it would be, that would be the case if you didn't know what he talked about either. <laughs> That'd make Jarrett the puppet master. Yeah. Wouldn't it? <laughs> just just after his segment. Anyway, Jarrett, ladies and gentlemen, king of physical media, knower of all releases, I guess is what we'll call him this week. <laughs> just like Ben here, Jarrett comes from Monster Pictures and Monster Fest, so you can go and follow his work on the Monster Fest social media pages. Head over there, give them a like if you haven't already. So let's get stuck into it, Ben. Deep Sea Terror. Um, I reckon I'll go first. So last week I what was it? I took you all the way to the Netherlands for a little bit of bumper cliff, which yeah. I know that you went to town and dined out on. You have you enjoyed the bumper cliff? <laughs> sure. I went I went downtown Brown <laughs> yeah, on the right. bumper cliff. So this week I'm gonna take you all the way to Norway for a movie that I watched last week, made in two thousand and twenty, uh, a deep sea diving film called Breaking Surface. And don't ask me for the Norwegian title because it's impossible to pronounce. I don't think Norwegians know how to pronounce it. So, anyway. It's actually pronounced bumper cleef. <laughs> and knowing that my terror, you know, from my honeymoon story of, you know, swimming across that uh, that divide, this movie kind of made me very anxious watching it. It's essentially, it's about two sisters that are deep sea divers. One is a professional diver. She's um, She goes down to the bottom of ships and pulls shit out from the propellers and things like that. That's her job. Uh, the other girl knows how to deep sea dive, but was turned off at, from childhood when her mother who was a deep sea diver blamed her for a near-death experience so she's sort of been tra traumatized from that but these two sisters 25 years after that get together for this diving expedition it's sort of a bonding session i guess you'd say they dive and when they're at the bottom um exploring this little sort of you know rock area there is a rock slide from the mountain above and big boulder comes down and pins the professional diver to the bottom so it's up to the amateur then to figure out what to do the professional still you know, with it and explaining, you need to do this calmly, you need to do that calmly. But the other girl, the sister is panicking and she doesn't really listen to what she's being told. So she's got to go up and down to try and signal for help, but there's only so much oxygen. So she's got to find more oxygen to bring down. And it's just this constantly back and forth. But the problem is... Not to mention the dishpan hands that the one will get from being under the water for so long. <laughs> oh my goodness. The wrinkly skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like after all that, after all the time that, you know, these women obviously would be spending on, mm. you know, moisturizing and conditioning and tanning and you've exposed you know, the real whatever. terror you've exposed That's, the real terror uh, yeah well the, the problem is and, and this is another thing that i didn't know was a fear for me until i watched this movie and then subsequently the next movie i watched is the whole uh the decompression aspect of you can't go that far down without coming up with a break in between so you've got to spend three minutes suspended before you breach yeah. and the problem is this girl's in a rush right she hasn't got that time so she's got to break that and so 
I know I I don't want to ever feel that. Like what happens in these two movies when these people rise up too quickly is horrific. Like I'm talking blood out of every orifice. I was going to say it happens in one of the movies I'm going to be talking yeah. about as well, and it's a great scene. It, like it's a concept that just lends itself so well to horror films that are deep sea related. Well, like, that's a, when my mother as a kid, when my mother told me about the bends, yeah, it terrified me. <laughs> like I was like, what? Like can I get it from a swimming pool? Like if I come up too. Like, what do you mean? Like, because that's, you know, the funny thing is, like, you mentioned the, you know, you're terrified of the, the precipice thing. Yeah. And you're like, but water, unlike space, or maybe like space, but unlike air, yeah. like, you're still on the top. Yes, that's right. That's what I was you're saying. You're not falling. You. you don't fall into those holes. That's exactly you're what I just, said, though. Like, the, the, the. I wasn't listening the, to what you said. Well, I said, like, there was no actual threat of me falling down it. Like, I was buoyant. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. The density was it's the same. Just that, yeah, yeah. It's just that it's deeper. Yes, but so anyway... I'm always more scared of sharks, to be honest. Oh, yeah. The concept of sharks, well, like a... coming at... Like every time I watch any movie where there's an ocean liner yeah. and somebody falls in, you're like, but what about the sharks? Well, look, I've, I've never shit myself more in my life than the first time I went snorkeling and a coral trout snuck up on me and that looks like a shark. <laughs> it is fucking huge. And I tell you what, brown water, yeah, <laughs> as right. far as y'all can see, like I was dredging that fucking shit. But did it taste good with your chips later? The problem when you shit in the water is the other fish are attractive. Yeah. It's like <laughs> blood. Little it's fish blood attract big fish. Yeah. <laughs> a feeding frenzy. All the way know. back to the boat. And then you can't even kill the fish. Like it's like, what? You know, no. It's like when your dog licks its ass and then wants to lick you in the face and you're like, <laughs> look, I know this happens and we both just pretend that it hasn't happened. <laughs> And you know, little like, does a dog know you flipped off too. I don't want to. I don't want to see you like, you know. It's just a, like an unspoken and they, rule. And yet they judge you when you fart on them. Yeah, I don't Ridiculous. get it. Anyway, or the, the the weird looks they get when you don't let them stick their head between your legs when you're taking a piss. Well, look, this brings me back to my movie because from breaking wind to breaking service, it's like you know, yeah. this is a great film. You need to see it. It's uh, it's on one of the streaming platforms. It might be SBS on demand. I think that's where I watched it. Highly recommend it. It is terrifying in that survival sense. Uh, there's a couple of weird things that happen. I'm not going to talk about, but just go into it expecting the unexpected. And like a lot of good foreign films, it might not end the way you think it's going to end. So that's what I like about this. It's unpredictable in every way. Um, it's a bit like, I guess, if you want to compare it to something, 127 Hours, you know, with the James Franco movie. It's like the deep sea version of that. It seems to be, funnily enough, the, the, you know, it's very similar. Space movies and underwater movies are very similar in their uh, in the things that go wrong. Yeah. Like it seems to be that, that like totally. If you're in Lack any of kind oxygen, of craft, like, yeah. yeah, getting stuck without pressure. oxygen, pressure, that kind of thing. But it, you know, the first victim in space and underwater is always the lights. Yeah, that's for right. whatever reason. Well, I mean, the lights are the first thing that go out. The Abyss was a, practically a space movie. Like underwater, yeah. and what do you got? Deep, uh, was it Sequest DSV with Star Trek was, underwater? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I'm on board, literally on board with these. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy deep sea movies, but they do freak me out a lot. Anyway, that's what I came up with this week. How did you fare with this theme? Well, look, I went with a movie that I have been kind of joking with you about <laughs> for a long time, <laughs> and I have wanted to see since I was a kid borrowing movies from from uh, movie land in Oakley and but for, I don't I don't know why I never did like I remember seeing the trailer all the time and really wanting to see it but also being terrified by it oh, is this the Hellraiser documentary yeah it is yeah <laughs> uh, it's 1986's Leviathan uh, <laughs> directed by uh, by our pal 
George P. Uh, Cosmatos, whose son uh, uh, directed uh, Mandy. But he also did he like Rambo, first, uh, Rambo two or whatever it is, not first, first blood three, part two or Rambo three. No, no, it was number two. It was number two because uh, number three was the uh, Peter McDonald. Co- Cobra and yes, you know, all sorts of great movies. Stars Peter Weller, Robocop's Peter Weller. Uh, it's, it's actually got a pretty great kind of all star cast. All of these, this and so did I say, did I say that it was uh, from nineteen eighty nine? You did. Like nineteen eighty nine had three big yes. Uh, underwater kind of disaster movies: yep. The Abyss, Leviathan, and Deep Star Six. They, they all got they all got shafted by Abyss. By Abyss, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, and I'm going to be talking. My next uh, recommendation will be is going to be Deep Star Six. Yeah, but it's you can see like they Abyss took all the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Abyss took all the money. Then came Deep Star Six, which was um, uh, had like a ten million dollar budget. Yep. And then Dino De Laurentiis with Leviathan, and you're like, this was made on the uh, on the grease of an oily rag. Well, the interesting thing about Leviathan is he made that, but then he made another film, which I'm just struggling to remember. I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, what were some of the ones we talked about in private that were like, I don't know. Anyway, D- Dino De Laurentiis went and remade Leviathan even cheaper still. Well, I'm sure he would have had the sets and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And go, oh, just, so he uh, made it again for like... It was just awful. I, that was going to be my recommendation. I can't remember what it is now, but I remember watching it and going, "Why? Why did I even think about this?" Like, it's, yeah. it's the one that had um, Ray Wise in it. I can't fucking remember. But. Yeah, love it. And of course, like you, you keep going, I'll find it. You know, Ray Wise is a great kind of third stringer, third, <laughs> third string lead. The Rift. Like, the Rift. The Rift. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, his daughter. He's also. I think his daughter was on with the director of uh, Juan Pico or whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Or one of the many De Laurentiis cousin, daughter, niece, so it, it, it list what you were saying. It lists them here. That <clears> year we had Abyss, Leviathan, Deep Star Six. You had The Evil Below as well. Yeah, and then Lords of the Deep. Like and Lords of the Deep. Yeah, it's yeah. very big for underwater disaster movies. So this one, I mean, this one had a pretty pretty good cast. So it's Peter Weller is the kind of captain. Richard Krenner, who obviously yeah. worked with uh, Cosmatos before. Amanda Pays from uh, the Flash TV series is what I really remember her from daniel stern the voice from the wonder years <laughs> oh and and uh, the wet and, bandit and yeah and other things <laughs> for sure uh ernie hudson lisa ibacker from beverly hills cop uh, hector elizondo meg foster turns up it's a great cast excellent cast and it's basically they're like like they're a deep sea mining operation who stumble across a sunken russian uh science vessel mm-hmm. and they go on board and they as you do when you've been underwater for a long time, like, you know, in this thing, like they take a bunch of stuff in from the Russian vessel to find out what the hell it was. Mm. And one of the things they take is the vodka. (laughs) And of course, and through the course of the film, you find out that the Russian ship is there doing genetic experiments and (laughs) the Russian government being the, uh, the great thing that it always was and still is today, <laughs> yeah. decide that they're going to experiment on the crew with this genetic testing and not tell them about it, and they hide it in the one thing they know the crew will never be able to resist, the vodka. <laughs> so, of course, good old buddy Daniel Stern. Actually, the whole crew really does it, but Daniel Stern is the one who, who does it. And then then basically the movie turns into The Thing Meets Alien. Yeah, I was a Very, very... But with By none the of the special yeah. effects. Like... like 
Daniel Stern and Lisa Ibacker at one point they combine when they you know to make the kind of creature. Yeah. But they're in a body bag, and so you only see like a <laughs> little bit of wriggle. The wriggle. <laughs> you don't actually see like you know. It's it, not a proper shunt. <laughs> it's not. Uh, yeah. It's no. It's no. Um. It's no the thing. But you know. But it is. It's a very enjoyable film. The cast is excellent. The the tension is pretty great. Yep. Uh, and that it moves with a pretty cracking pace. It's got a it's got a nice lean kind of eighty ninety minute runtime. Yep. Uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's uh, yeah, good to watch. But I think you you should watch maybe. Well, I didn't realize that those other those other two films. Yeah. But you've got to watch them all all that, that year's deep sea horror <laughs> movies together. In, yeah. In a, in a marathon. Do you do the abyss first or last? Yeah, you do it last. You don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to spoil the other ones. <laughs> Start with the rift. Work yeah. your way. Work your way up. <laughs> Not too far. So the decompression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know it. That beat means one thing, and that is I'm here with another handy interruption. By now, you guys know that we are on the Newsly app. And if you're not listening to us from there right now, then why not give it a go? It is totally free. It's, it's essentially a super app. It has all of the news from around the world delivered to you at any given moment, and it's read out aloud in a natural human voice. What does that mean? Well, in other words, wherever you are, whatever you're into, movies, games, science, history, whatever, it will collect all of the highest trending articles from around the world, that's over 80 countries to be exact, and it reads them to you. And you, you don't know how handy this is until you give it a try. So, you know, you could be driving your car, you could be hiking, you might be waiting for your fish and chips, Ben. Uh, <laughs> it's a hands-free way to get your content. And here's the kicker and the entire reason why I'm spruiking this to you. Because while the Newsly app is entirely free, if you do want to give their premium service a try, you can get a whole month at no cost by using our exclusive code, and that is Monday, M-N-D-A-Y, Monday without the O, and if you do use that code, well, then they know we sent you, and that bodes well for us. So help yourself by helping us. Get the Newsly app on your device right now. Good vibes only. I just have to care. I'ma fill my cup. Got fireworks, got booze. Let's blow some shit up. Tonight I'm going stupid. Doing things I've never done. We all got one thing in common. We just want to have fun. Hey. New grill and a bunch of snacks and where we going? You don't need a map, you don't need a nap, you don't need jack. Okay. Except lots of people, some very loud speakers, go drinks and good reefer. Come join me, one thing, good vibes only. I just have to care, I'ma fill my cup. Got fireworks, got booze, let's blow some shit up. Tonight I'm 
song kind of does open up a whole other conversation um because it was do something crazy by out of sight from the meg soundtrack and i know you dug the meg when that came out didn't you i certainly did i saw it in 4dx and i enjoy i mean look let's put it in context (laughs) it's no deep blue sea but it's as close as you can get without being deep blue sea (laughs) too there you go i threw you that bone where does three come into it yeah, well, three, three, <laughs> three is like Meg Two, Meg Two, Deep Blue Sea well, Three. Meg Two is coming, so you know you might be excited about that. You know, I hated Meg at first. No, I think when Meg came out, you and I weren't like besties like we are now. But Jarrett, I remember, was telling me, "Oh, Ben really enjoyed the Meg when we watched it," and I'm like, "Oh, Jesus!" It doesn't really take that much for me to like a film. That's like- normally me too. This one, for some reason, I hated it, but in retrospect. Like, I like it thinking about it and I want to watch it again before number two because yeah. I have a funny feeling my now my expectations are down. I mean, it's much better than... I can't remember because I watched them for the show when we did that shark. Yep. We did the shark episode. What were those... Um, what's the name of that dodgy studio? Oh, that Asylum was Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Yeah, but it wasn't a Mega Shark. It, was, it wasn't a Sharknado either. It was... Um, Sharktopus? No. <laughs> it's something like that. Two-headed like, shark, three-headed yeah, shark. Yeah. yeah, the two-headed shark, three-headed shark. Four-headed yeah. shark, five-headed shark, yeah. six-headed shark. Yeah. And I remember like watching those going, uh, like, and I'd seen the Meg by this stage and you're like, like, yeah, this is shit. Like, <laughs> like they really make the Meg look good because like the whole thing is, you know, they're on, they're on like an island or yeah. a reef or something that is the size of a, of a big raft. And you're like, and the Meg just, and the, the six-headed shark just comes up from underneath it and just busts holes and sinks the island. And you're like, this is getting a bit... Well, you know, look. because that's always been the problem with shark movies. Yeah, is that you know how you you know how you beat a shark? You just you get out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> safe, all done. You know, no mess, no fuss. I think just, 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 just to get out of the water. And it amuses even me the fact that I will rave about something like Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark, and yet the Mega have issues with. So yeah, <laughs> they had too much money. That's right. They should have solved all their problems. So anyway, Ben, David Tui. Let's get to it. I'm excited. This is a guy, like I said, been trying to peg down for years and finally got him. I actually made... You've been trying to peg David Tui for years? (laughs) I I originally emailed him about 11 years ago and his response was... You didn't even have a show 11 years ago. uh, No, I didn't. I wanted to do it for a blog that I was doing. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Um, and pitch that would have been even and, easier. He could have no, just no. got an assistant. In to my answer. naive, in my naive way, I wanted to pitch an idea to him. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he replied very courteously, and then it was like you know, all these years later, a handwritten letter. <laughs> it was an email. I don't even know <gasps> how he got his. I don't know how he got his personal email. Well, I think back in those days, like I remember, <laughs> I contacted uh, what's her name, Missy Crider, on Facebook. <laughs> And I messaged her something and she was like, who is this? Why are you messaging me? And I was like, because I'm a big fan of Sex Monster. And then she never, <laughs> that was it. I was like, I, can't, I must have said something else stupid. And then my friends were like, why did you say it? I was like, well, it's clearly a joke. And they're like, you're a fucking idiot. Oh, wow. Like I just, but, the, but in the early days of Facebook and yeah, MySpace yeah, yeah. and stuff, celebrities didn't know better. They didn't know how no. how bad people were. Well, that's the funny thing. Now, like, I feel very privileged because I only have to message someone, and they can kind of hover over your name, see where you're from, what you do, where you work, and it's like it's an easy in. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I got this guy, and what I'm saying is, it took a long time. It took a long time. <laughs> it took a long time for him to say yes. Yes. So let me go through his movies again, just to remind you how prolific he is. Timescape, great Never time travel it. movie with um, Jeff Daniels. That's the one with who's the, that? <laughs> the one with the time travel tourism is fantastic. The Arrival with Charlie Sheen. Which is a really good movie. I always get that mixed up with uh, Terminal Velocity, which is the one where he parachutes which he wrote, in. Which David Twee wrote. Which is the one where he parachutes in with in arseless chaps that turn out to be fake pants. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> is that, I think that's Terminal Velocity. Well, you see, and once again, that was amongst a bunch of parachute movies. They're all the those drop zone and all that sort <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's right. It's a, Yancey yeah. Butler was in one of them. Ah, oh, and yes, Carl Seacole from Homicide. The, the Riddick the films. He did a great movie, very underrated movie called A Perfect Getaway, which had Steve Zahn in it. That was a fantastic um, yeah, movie with really, a real sting in the tail. Fucking that rings great. a bell. Perfect Getaway. Yes, we would have. We definitely had it at the video store. Yeah, I can't remember if I've seen. And it. And it's a movie though. that kind of looked from the DVD art to be like a DTV kind of affair. Like you know, well, this looks pretty shoddy, but you watch it, and everyone that returned it was like, "Fuck me!" Didn't expect that. Well oh, worth the, it. Look at the cast, though. Yeah, read it out. Mila Jovovich. Yep. Steve Zahn. Tim Oliphant. Kiki Sanchez from The Kingdom, who I like. Marley Shelton. Hello. Chris Hemsworth. Pre-famous Chris Hemsworth. Uh, oh, geez, that's a guy from... Uh, <laughs> he's he's one of the guys from... from uh, oh, what is the name of that? <laughs> um, Pitch Perfect. Yep. But uh, <laughs> like, you know... Oh, good that he's there. Dale Dickey from uh, Ozark. This is like an all-star. Well, thanks to you, that goes on our Letterbot star list because you've just spent uh, at least thirty seconds talking about that. I am. I was only going to spend fifteen. I am. Uh, you'll be surprised <laughs> at how little makes it through to that Letterbox list. <laughs> but he did begin with stuff like Critters Two and Warlock, and you know, moved his way up to Imposter and GI Jane, and yeah. Awesome writer, and yeah, Below is the focus film of today, and yeah, like I said, turning 20 years, which makes me feel old, but it's held up so well. I watched it last week uh, in preparation for the interview, and I could not believe it. It's like, as if it was made last year. That's how effective it was. Awesome cast, I'm going to read through them. Bruce Greenwood, Olivia Williams, Holt McCallaway, is that his, his name? Holt McKinney? McKinney? Is he the guy from... from uh... Mindhunter. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, but yeah. uh, no, I was thinking he's the Indian in, um, what's that anthology horror movie? Not, I know he's it, been an Indian in something. Is it, it's not Creepshow. It's one of the, it's the one where he's, he's the Indian and he kills the owners of a, <laughs> of the kind of it. diner yeah. of a, like a, or a gift shop or something mm. like that. Yeah. 
And, uh, I feel like we've had this conversation before. And it yeah, the, exactly the, the, the same cigar way. store Indian uh, comes alive and kills him. That's, yeah. yeah, so that's what it's from. All right. Uh, Matthew Davis. But he's also in Wrath of Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's totally. Right. He's in heaps he's of in, things now, but this is before all yeah. that. Uh, maybe he had done creep shows. I always thought he was just like a TV show yeah. kind of villain who'd come out of nowhere in the last five years because all of a sudden I started seeing him and everything. Totally. But then you're like, oh, this guy's had like a 40-year career. There's so many of those actors that you know you look back on and like... Until you notice them, you don't notice them. Exactly right. Uh, Zach Galifianakis was in this, a non-comedic role, and he is the highlight of the movie for me. Like, he's really good, and we talk about that in this chat. Um, and we talk about some other stuff, but I'll tell you what, if you're the kind of person that listens to this show and you skip through some of these segments... Don't skip this one because he even does give us a little bit of an exclusive download on the status of Riddick 4. So, Do we have the uh, stats on the, the segments that people I skip wish, through? I wish. <laughs> That'd be interesting to know. Why don't you just comment on this uh, post and tell us what segments you skip through. Yeah, that's no, right. please do not do that. We need to start making the competitions, you know, actual content-based. Yeah. <laughs> tell us what Ben said, at, you know, the, or the, don't the, give him the, where it is. <laughs> Go find it. <laughs> Ben's, yeah, what, what movies did Ben recommend in this episode? <laughs> anyway, here it is. David Tui. Enjoy. Stand by to board survivors. Next man. Next man. Let's pull a plug. In the midst of war. Better tell Sonar we've got an enemy sub in the area. The crew of the USS Tiger Shark. Emergency dive! Is about to face a new enemy. I don't believe we're alone down here. Anybody contact control. Where's our crew? Below. Rated R. I'm so glad that we were able to connect. David, welcome to Good Movie Monday. Good to be here, Glenn. Uh, you have written and, and directed so many films that, that, that have been staples in my life. Um, and I'm wondering, do you get asked about Below very often? Not as often as I should get asked. And that's because of, you know, all the movies I've done. It kind of feels like the one that, that got away. Yeah, right. Um, and, and this year does mark 20 years since the movie's released. So, like, I'm, I'm really excited to have this opportunity to chat about it. Um, yeah. And kind of, kind of <laughs> unbelievable, to tell the truth. Um, <laughs> go, go ahead with the questions. I mean, like, we, no, either one of us uh, can weigh in. You start. <laughs> okay, well, I mean... I had seen it several times back when it was released, but I watched it again recently in preparation for this conversation, and I was taken back by how well it stands up. Like, I enjoyed it more than I did now. Um, what does this film mean to you, and like, where does it stand in your overall catalogue of titles? It's one of my favourites. Let's put it that way. So, yep. you know, if I'm organising, if I'm prioritising my children, organising them, it's one of my <laughs> favourites. Um, and it hurts that it, you know, it didn't get that better showing. And that's, you know, we'll get into that down the line about how I had conflict with the, uh, the Swinestein mm. brothers. Did I say Swinestein? Mm -hmm. It's Weinstein. I just call it's them overlords. Overlords. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I, I generally don't watch my old movies. And as a matter of fact, I make a point not to. So when requests like this come in, I, it, that first thing I think is, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to watch my old movie. Because <laughs> inevitably or typically... If, if enough time has not passed, all I'm looking at is all the problems that I never <laughs> fixed. So those problematic shots or the actor's performance or the camera move that bounced, all those things that bedeviled me on the day and I was trying to fix in post and maybe never got fixed in post, still aggravate. And so I'm just sitting there kind of stewing about why I couldn't fucking get that right. 
So it's a curse. It's really a curse to sometimes watch your old movies. But how, however, 20 years seems to be enough time now <laughs> where I can watch it. And I watched it last night below where I could sit back as for the most part as an audience member and just say, oh, that was pretty cool. You know, from yeah. the opening shot on where that Catalina, that PBY Catalina, that World War II airplane enters the shot from below. Uh, and I said, that's a fantastic shot, you know? And <laughs> people have asked me if that shot is like, it's gotta be CG, right? You're so close to the plane and it's, no, it's dead nuts real. That's me in a helicopter 30 feet above that plane with like a 75 year old pilot down there just hanging on for dear life in his, <laughs> in his World War II plane. <laughs> Because the young guys don't fly those planes anymore. It's all older aviators. So it's me in a helicopter and just like coming dangerously close to that plane to get that opening shot, shooting at 96 frames uh, per second. That's why they see the pops are so great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a hell of a shot, hell of an opening shot. And from there, I was sort of taken by it. I really like the um, some of the bravura sequences that show how the how the the boat works, how the sub works from yeah. an order that, that begins in the, up in the conning tower, how it gets relayed throughout the boat verbally and how that order makes its way all the way back to the motor max in the maneuvering room at, at the aft end of the, of the boat and how they're, those guys are just like throwing their levers and all that kinetic stuff of how the boat works. I did so much fucking research, research on these World War II Gator class submarines that I really wanted to share it with the audience, maybe you know pummel them with it at times. But I don't know, I just, I love the, it's a, uh, I think we did a very good job of getting an authentic feel for an authentic World War II boat. Now the interior of that boat <clears throat> we built, the outside was the USS Silversides, which is parked on Lake Michigan. And we used that, we towed that out on Lake Michigan for the daytime running sequences. Yeah. Uh, but the inside we built, but we built it like 20% bigger than, a, than an actual World War II submarine was uh, at the time. So, and it still felt damn small to everyone aboard. So we always admired those guys for having to live and operate and go to war in something even smaller than what we had recreated on the Shepton soundstage. So, um, and actually your initial, initial question anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, I, do, I, uh, do I like film? Yeah, I like it. I was able to actually, after 20 years, view it with some objectivity, and uh, my eye did not always go to the mistakes that I'm sure are still there. I just love the fact that in some way or another, I've influenced you to go back and watch one of your own films. That <laughs> makes my... Yeah, <laughs> it, it's not easily done, but you did it. Mate. <laughs> well, I mean, um, you made this film fairly soon after you made Pitch Black, which you made down here as well. Um, right. Did the story already exist in your mind or was it a case of finishing one project and then going back to a drawing board? No, it was, it was uh, Bob Weinstein calling me up because Pitch Black did better than anyone expected at the box office. Not that it, um, it came out number one, it didn't, but it just kept kicking along at the box office, you know, it never really yeah. dropped, just boom, 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 week in, week out for a number of weeks, it was still doing box office. And that's reflective of good word of mouth. And I think we sort of crushed one of Bob Weinstein's uh, films that came out against us. And I don't know what it was, 
So yeah. the Weinsteins, in that case, instead of like cursing you, they'll call you up and say, okay, let's do a movie together because you did better than I did last time. And so he just opened up his whole library to me and said, we got this, we got this, we got this, we got about a, we got a, a haunted World War II submarine. We got, and I said, what about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, send me that script. So they had a script in the works already by, um, uh, that Darren Aronofsky was involved with, that he was co-writing with Lucas Sussman. So they had done a few passes on it and it was, it was floundering a bit for whatever reason. And uh, Darren had seen Pitch Black himself, liked it a lot. So he agreed to sort of turn it over uh, the, uh, the script writing duties to me at that point. Hmm. Um, and that's how it came about. So it was already jump started. It was already set up at, uh, at the Weinstein Company. Yeah, right. Um, I would, I'd say maybe you're a bit of a perhaps glutton for punishment because you, you shot Pitch Black in the hellish surrounds of Cooper Pedy in Australia. Um, and then you made Below, which even though you, you said you built it, it's still a very confined space and no doubt difficult to shoot in. Um, is that how you like to work? Do you like that pressure? Do I like that pressure? Uh, well, you got to be able to... Do I like it? No. Uh, do you ultimately embrace it? Yes, you have to if you're going to make the, the film. I mean, Cooper Peter was hell itself because this is uh, slipping into pitch black now. And for people yeah, yeah. who don't know, Cooper Peter is the middle of nowhere in Australia. And this is where uh, we shot our desert world uh, vistas. And everyone assured me that it's like dry out there because our world is dry, it's arid, uh, treeless. And that's why we went there. And then everyone assures me it is absolutely dry when you're gonna be shooting in, in the, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever season we were in. And goddamn if like, the week before, it just doesn't torrential rains, and we went out there to 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 get ready to shoot or see what the damage was, and we're just slogging around in the mud, and our you know the mud was on your boots like that thick underneath it, just <laughs> taking these Frankenstein steps through across the terrain. How is this ever going to work out? So I don't know. We uh, because of that that rain, pitch black off got off to a very slow start. I was one week behind after two weeks of production and you know there was there was talk about people firing me and you know mm. but it is what it is so uh do i like that kind of pressure hell no but look below is a very different experience because i got to film not, not just inside that claustrophobic environment of the submarine but i got to build the exterior of the submarine on the 007 soundstage at shepherdson mm. studios which is for people who don't know was originally built as a submarine soundstage for the movie uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, right? So um, by the time you're on those, these august stages, these huge august stages where all these, with all this history um, and all this room and, and you bring up the weather machines, you're bringing, making a storm on the stage and that's just fantastic stuff, just fantastic. Um, and also I get to tow a real submarine, World, World War II submarine, the Silver Sides, on, uh, across Lake uh, Michigan, you know, with three tugboats in front of us. And it's the first time that boat had floated in 50 years. And they weren't even sure it could float, you know. <laughs> There's a museum boat docked yeah, at yeah. the side of Lake Michigan. So we said our proposal to them was, let's, let's go out and see if we can float it and, and run around a bit. 
you know, not under its own power. The, the engines, I don't think are aboard that ship, but under tow. And um, they reluctantly agreed. And so, I mean, to stand on that, on that platform, on that moving platform uh, across Lake Michigan, which is so vast that you don't see shore yeah. at a certain point, you're on an ocean. So to do that uh, yeah, with your actors and just luxuriating in all that open space, that was, that was a privilege. That sounds amazing. Was it was there much um, CGI? Was it mostly practical? Because some of the stuff that really struck me was the the underwater sort of assault <laughs> stuff. Like you, you, I can't don't know what the name of it is, but you have like um one ship towing like a a chain of you know I guess anchors that are you know attaching themselves to submarine that kind of stuff. How was that stuff achieved? Was it practical? Anything. Anytime you see a ship or those hooks or the depth charges and the depth charge explosions, anytime you see those underwater, that's CG. And that's the, um, the genius of Peter Chang, who uh, did my visual effects for me in Pitch Black, who did them for me on Below, who did them for me on Chronicles of Riddick as well. Um, and it was a, a rather early uh, attempt to get those things right, you know, get the ship right, the texture on the ship, to get the caustics, which are the um, sort of that membrane effects of lights across the, uh, the hull of the, of, the, of the submarine, to get the gods rays right, to get the manta rays right, to get the particulate in the water right. So, and for 20 years ago, for executing it 20 years ago, still holds up today, pretty much. I can still see a few things I wanted to change, but not, not, not many. Well, I'm, I'm wondering what it says about today's sort of reliance on CGI for nearly everything when, you know, your film 20 years ago, it's really flawless in, in regards to the CGI. I mean, not, I'm not a filmmaker, so I can't see the imperfections you can, but it, it is just so effective. And I think it's better than half the stuff that comes out now. Yeah. And that would be a credit to, to Mr. Chang, his eye especially, sometimes mine, but his eye especially. Um, and maybe something that sort of attributes to that as well, and, and it really struck me watching the film again this time, is that the horror tropes are really subtle, and I think you tap into a real human condition with these characters. And I know at various times, as you alluded to, that the, the overlords at Miramax had issues with your cut. Was that part of it? Was it the the lack of intense horror? Yeah, it was. The um, <clears throat> You know, when you're a writer-director, sometimes you have to be a bit of a smuggler, too. And I was always interested in the sort of the whodunit side of the story, the mystery side yeah. of the story, that, that DNA as opposed to the, the horror DNA, which is there, it's baked in, it's a ghost story, but I didn't want it to be a jump movie. And they're very much about putting jumps into the movie. You know? Back in yeah. the 70s, like, in, you know, when bad horror films, when there was too much talk in a bad horror film, they needed a jump that somebody would throw a cat across the screen. You know, and it was supposed to be a cat like jumping up into somebody's arms, something like that. But really, you could see the stage hand just like chucking it in <laughs> into the camera. Um, that's kind of what they were asking me to do. You know, the latter day equivalent of that, just to put those yeah. kinds of jumps in there. And I resisted that. I might have done it once or twice, like when Claire is poking around inside the uh, inside of Bryce's cabin, and a cabinet door creaks open, she shuts it very carefully, and then it bangs open and drops and because she's disturbed something in there. 
yeah, okay, I put one or two of those in, but they wanted more and more and more. And finally, uh, you know, we came to loggerheads over it. Yeah. And and this is where I just sort of rebelled and said, no, this it is what it is. You have to recognize that it's 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 a mystery as well as a horror story, not just a horror story. Go ahead and sell it as a horror if you want, but it's it'll never really be that truly hardcore horror thing. Um, you know, it was a story about like Pitch Black was about courage and, and, and lack thereof as much as anything else, more the human condition. And I thought that's what would elevate the piece. And I thought that's what dimension that arm of, of uh, the Weinstein company of Miramax needed at the time, you know, mm. some, ele some elevated horror rather than just in your face horror. But they thought differently. And so, you know, we came to loggerheads. And the thing about the Weinsteins is they'll take it out on, they'll take their animus against you. They'll take it out on the movie, the movie that they just spent 35, $40 million on. Yeah. And they'll say, you know, we, because you're not playing ball with us, we're going to release it on 200 screens instead of 1,200 screens. Yeah. There you go. That's how they control you. Totally. So, or that's how they tried to control you back in the day. I think they're doing less of that now. <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot of resolve to you know, stand up like that to them. Not a lot of filmmakers, I imagine, would. Did it rattle you at the time? Yeah, I remember getting off the phone one time because they were just screaming matches, right? Yeah. They were just screaming matches at times. But, you know, at times they were very cordial conversations, but at times they were screaming matches. And after one screaming match in, in the editing room, I remember turning to my editor and saying, well, everybody called everybody and said, you should prepare yourself for continuing on the film without the writer director. Because I just had a, a rude fucking conversation with Bob Weinstein. Yeah. Oh, God. But ultimately, you know, they don't. They don't fire their directors because they want to be able to hire the next director. And they don't want that that on their rap sheet. Totally. My goodness. I hope this I hope this conversation does encourage a lot of people to go and find the movie. It's on various streaming platforms here in Australia. I'm sure it is as, as well in the States. Um, and for the benefit of people that are listening that don't know, I'm going to just reel off some of the cast because it's pretty impressive. You've got Bruce Greenwood in there, Olivia Williams, Matthew Davis, Dexter Fletcher, who's probably bigger down here than he is in the States. Um and you have a pre-hangover Zach Galifianakis as a serious kind of superstitious character. He was what? Yeah. He was a stand-up comedian and sitcom star at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Why did you cast him? <clears throat> I have no idea why I cast Zach. I remember that we were uh, looking at a lot of people, and I remember his audition came in, and the whole time that he was spouting, it came in on a videotape, because he was back east and I was in Los Angeles, I guess. And the whole time he was just like eating an orange while he was making these contemplative, uh, doing his contemplative monologue. And I don't know, there's something that odd about him. The character's name is Weird Wally. And there yeah. was something weird about this guy. And so uh, it, so we just pulled the trigger on him. Uh, he, was, he was very nervous on this set, you know. He, today he comports himself in a, in a very sort of self-confident, even smug way. Uh, which is a, a character he plays. 
but back then it was he was really nervous on the set and he was fumbling his lines and just like you had to go go real slow and easy with him um i also remember that he was doing stand-up comedian he was trying to do stand-up in london yeah. while we were there and we heard about it. we said dude are you do are you going out at night because we'll all come you know we'll la we'll laugh it up for you go, no don't don't <laughs> Don't, don't come, please don't come. Because why not? Well, I'm gonna bomb. It's like, you know, they don't know my kind of humor. They don't get me. So I'm going there planning to bomb and I don't need you guys there. So he was very sensitive about that. So he was sneaking out at night doing stand-up in London. That's hilarious. I was, I was shocked that he looks exactly the same 20 years ago as he does now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> And and no, uh, before before we, we do wrap this up, um, the cast like as well, Bruce Greenwood, what a fantastic! I guess you'd call him a lead because he wasn't a list at the time, but he's very recognizable and identifiable to an audience. Like, was it was it a an effort, a deliberate effort to put sort of someone like him who's not necessarily a headline on a poster? I think it adds more credibility to the story. No, we were just looking for good actors. Bruce had uh, a little heat at the time because he was coming off his portrayal of uh, JFK in... 13 Days, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he was really there on the cusp, on the cusp. Yeah. He was great to work with. Holt McCallany, uh, McElhaney, who plays uh, Lieutenant Loomis, love him, used uh, Holt two and a half times now um uh olivia was a dream to work with you know one of the reasons that it's it, it's so pleasant to think about below is that you know, the cast made it so easy and they were so eager you know a lot of times when you're shooting a movie it's like okay we're ready for the actors let's call them and mm. you know 30 minutes later they'll show up on set sometimes that happens <laughs> and it's like you lose so much time just sort of waiting by the time they disappear to their trailer and take the calls and talk to their agents and talk to the publicist and it's like it's, sometimes it's hard to get the actors back but in this case all of them they didn't want to spend time in trailers they wanted to spend time hanging out on the set or just outside like the submarine set and they were together having chess tournaments like right there so once i set the shot inside it was lit i just step outside the submarine set i see them right there and i go bruce matt dexter ready for you and they're there on set within 30 seconds so you know director's dream director's dream you know, should they would, all be like that and who would think that dexter fletcher would become you know one of the top directors in hollywood you know had no idea amazing. that was going to happen i don't even know if he had those aspirations but you should fill in on, on what dexter does i mean he's just playing a you know the the fifth role for me here as one of the survivors gets picked up at sea and dexter was great to work with throughout but i had no idea i could not imagine as much imagination as i do have i could not imagine him going on to step in to finish directing duties on bohemian rhapsody when yeah. that went sideways and then um taking over and doing the rocket man on his own right rocket man yeah and, and he's just directed and produced the offer the the new series for paramount plus about the godfather that's right i yeah, thought an excellent so... i thought an excellent series by the way yeah yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they do. They make that an anthology and, and do a couple more productions. That'd be fantastic. Do Chinatown. <laughs> yeah, totally. That. I mean, have you? I mean, I've not seen a performance as good as Matthew Good for a long time. 
he was just phenomenal. <laughs> Is Matthew good? Uh, oh, yeah, a, a Brit. Yeah. I di- I wasn't aware yeah. of him. A Brit. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't know just listening to him. Yeah. He is spot on fantastic in the opera. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, look, I could pick your brain for ages, but we're about out of time. One question I have to ask, it's, I, f- I feel like it's ob- obligatory and you don't have to answer, but um, Riddick 4, how's that coming along? Um, Vin Diesel's given us some teasers recently. Is that, you know, underway? It's been underway all this time. Are you, are you asking me if I believe it's going to happen? Well, yeah, I mean, he suggested that, like, it was in pre-production, like, well and truly on the way. But, you know, you can never have, take that stuff. I'll, t- I'll, tell you take exactly, I'll tell you exactly where we're at. We have a script <laughs> that we both like. Well, yeah. I've, I'm storyboarding as we speak. Um, we know who the cast would be, and we've had preliminary discussions with the cast. And it requires Carl Urban coming back. Oh, amazing. Among others. And um, so now it's just scheduling it with uh, Vin's schedule, you know, slotting it in between Fast and Furious 23 <laughs> and 24, and then finding the right independent money that will subsidize us in, in good fashion. So whatever yeah. that amount is, finding the independent money. So because we want to do it independently, like we did the last one but for a bigger budget than we did last time, perhaps even perhaps even twice the budget that we used last time. But not to take studio money because with studio money it takes it comes you know studio input. So we aren't looking for that. We're looking sure. for the studio to release the movie, what they do best, some would say, but not necessarily develop it because we don't need anybody to de- help us develop that project anymore. We know it better than anyone. So it's just a matter of, you know, taking those last few boxes and I think we'll be shooting it. Oh, I do hope so. I think it's, uh, it's uh, to have a sci-fi franchise that isn't Marvel, DC or Star Wars is important and it's exciting. So like, I, I, I adore the, the series. I hope you get to shoot the new one in, um, in Australia again. Like, that'd be fantastic too. You know, there's been some talk of doing just that. There's been some talk of awesome. shooting it in Australia. Yeah, like we did Pitch Black. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for making time for our show. Like I, I it's been a, I've, I've been after you for a long time for a chat. So I'm so glad we were able to make it work. It's, um, you know, like talking to a childhood hero. So thank you so much for all the films you've made. Uh, they're very important to me and the guys on the show. So all the best and thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Maybe I'll see you in Australia next year. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We were just arguing about what is a deep sea horror movie. Horror, sorry Ben, I need to enunciate more. Horror, not horror movie, but horror movie. James, what's a deep sea horror movie? Well, here's why I'm torn. It's if like Placid, right, Chad? If a movie yeah. happens at sea and that makes it a deep sea horror movie, the one that came to mind, I know it's not perfect, but the opening gets me every time and it has a song in it I like, would be Ghost Ship. Yeah, I agree. It, that, it, the opening that opening is phenomenal. It. It, it, if the rest of the movie lived up to that open, I liked the entire. It's got movie. a great cast. It's a stupid that's, fun movie. But that's I'm going to pull a, a Joe. Uh, that's on top of the scene. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I said. If that doesn't Ow. count, mine, I want you to go under the seat. Mine then would be pressure. Pressure. Would be pressure. Have you ever seen pressure? Coming down on me. 
2015's pressure. Pressure is about these undersea welders who get hired to patch up a welding job, as you would think welders undersea would do. Um, but when they try to come up, they strike the bottom of a ship, and it's all about them being trapped under the water. It's really claustrophobic. They're running out of air, and it doesn't necessarily end happy. All right. So if you've never seen Pressure, and and you like, uh, what's that movie you like about them claustrophobic caves, Joe? Ooh, The Descent. Yeah, if you like The Descent, watch Pressure, and if you're claustrophobic, watch both of them and get TVs real close to your face, and it'll freak you out. Chad. Uh, you go. James. Oh, James already went. A, right. a Yugo is a car. That so I was going to pick. I was going to pick Underwater, which I think was really good, and a lot of it's just a fantastic. I, well, I, it's not fantastic, but it's a really good Lovecraft movie that most people didn't see, and I'm still out there preaching for. But what I'm actually going to pick is something I've talked about ad nauseum, and is really one of my favorite underwater films. Oh, Children of Men again, <laughs> Rising. Although you're right, they kind of don't go underwater. <laughs> That's what I mean. Ghost Ship never is really underwater. Yeah, but I love Deep Rising. Deep Rising won an Oscar for best movie ever a few years ago. And it's written and directed by Stephen Somers, who gave you The Mummy. You remember The Mummy, you don't remember Deep Rising, starring the action icon, Treat Williams. Don't you all think that's the first mistake when they were making the movie? Who would have you cast, Joe? Well, it depends. So for the movie, sorry, the answer was I like Baldwin. Moving oh, on. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was too busy doing Hunt for Red October. It's not true. That was years ago. I love Deep Rising. Most of you already know it. Tentacles coming up, attacking a cruise ship. Chad, uh, I kept my mouth shut, and it's not tentacles. It's like sea worms or something Dude, like that. The original name of the movie was Tentacle. It should have been Sea Worms. <laughs> movie dumb <laughs> who, who could have been script. could have been sea squirms got it green lit tentacle sea squirms is what it so should have been my mine's really on the nose i there's uh, that but a leviathan 1989's leviathan that's it's my no boy. deep star six uh, <laughs> that i don't remember watching with joe <laughs> watched it with me i've seen it numerous times so, they're both good but leviathan's better Levi, yeah Le, uh, you know suck but leviathan's better and i enjoy both of them yeah honestly in a lot of ways i prefer leviathan over the abyss i'm sorry i do well you know why the abyss has a uh, leviathan has a better character actor cast yes <laughs> Seriously, i agree right yeah yeah there, uh, several are miscast yeah but overall leviathan has a better cast so leviathan is directed by george p cosimo uh cosimotos which i just had to put listed that so i could say you know the man who didn't direct tombstone according to a previous guest of us right <laughs> <laughs> and direct uh written by jeb stewart who has a long list of movies that he's written it stars peter weller richard crenna uh daniel stern ernie hudson hector elizondo the list goes on lisa El elbacher uh, meg foster uh by the way the ending of leviathan one of the best scenes that involves meg foster in movie history <laughs> in my opinion it just punches her it just punches the crap out of her yeah. um yeah no it's about these people who are trapped in a deep sea um um exploration um area and they uh suddenly uh get stuck with a mysterious disease that is slowly you know turning them into monsters it is great um highly recommended if you haven't seen it this has been bonehead weekly fun size please send all your hate mail to ben well based on how fucking difficult this topic was it, it comes as no surprise that the bonehead stole our thunder twice on this show chad went and took leviathan well, no, he didn't because uh, I took it from him because I uh, talked about it first. That I think you'll find. Filthy sea monger. 
Tell you what. And then James went and took my next one. Goddamn <laughs> seafaring scoundrel. <laughs> Scurvy. <laughs> but you know what you should do? You should get behind the Bonehead Weekly Podcast anyway. Find them on all of the platforms and subscribe to their show. Love them the way you love us. That might or not be more much so. at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. They'll take what they can They'll get. Legitimately love them. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. Just um, subscribe. Just subscribe to their podcast. You don't have to listen to it. <laughs> Just throw them a bone. That's right. Like, like you do with us. Yeah. <laughs> we don't care if you listen. We just care if you like subscribe. Leave us a nice review on iTunes. How about that? Definitely. That would be really nice. Whatever platform you listen to us on, give us a, a, a rating. You know, because you can do that. Anyway, let's... um. Wow. <laughs> Someone's ears are burning. Ben and I, we're just about to move on and both of our phones went... <laughs> and it's Chad from the Boneheads. <laughs> and they, of course, they've recorded and I didn't get time to say, don't do not do the movies that I want to do for the... <laughs> so they've probably done them. It'd be Joe like, I'm going to talk about Trees Lounge. Fuck you. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Anyway, let's get on with our recommendations. Ignore that motherfucker. And uh, what have you got next, mate? Uh, I'm gonna, okay, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about the old Deep Star Six, directed by uh, Sean S. Cunningham, the great Sean S. Cunningham, uh, most well known for uh, doing the Friday the Thirteenth uh, uh, films. Uh, so this one is very similar. It's got a great, once again, a great cast. Uh, Greg Greg Evergan, who's kind of a name that seems to have was huge at one point in kind of DTV or B movie circles, and he's since seems seemingly disappeared. I suppose he's not as young and good looking as he once was. Uh, Nancy Everhart, who I used to have a major <laughs> a major crush on. Who, who did you not have a major crush on? Well, that's I'm an equal. I'm an easy. I'm easy going. You had as many crushes as you did all time favorite movies. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miguel Ferrer, who is who, oh, yeah. I love him in everything. Yep. Uh, Nia Peebles and Nia Peebles not wearing a bra, Ooh. two of my favourite things in the world. When she's not wearing a bra, you can see her people. You can see her people. Cindy Pickett, uh, oh, Ilya Baskin, I love that guy. <laughs> he next to him and Roy Dotrice should have made a buddy cop film where they've just played like Russian uh, ice skating coaches who solve crime in their spare time. <laughs> That would be an amazing show. There's, there's another drinking game for everyone. Whenever Ben says <laughs> solve crime in his spare time, time. <laughs> that's what you're doing. That's, that's what every TV show is about. Every time you say it, it tickles me. <laughs> <laughs> but so basically, this this in this film, they're a deep sea mining, uh, or they no, they're not. They're not even mining. They're a deep sea kind of navy installation. Yep. And they're building underwater missile. Uh, silos and there's a there's a there's a ticking clock they've got to get it done by the end of the week or the navy's going to cancel and you're like that sounds a bit ridiculous sorry sean uh and the writer lewis lewis abernathy who wrote, who wrote it like it just sounds a bit ridiculous that they've spent what must have been like hundreds of millions of dollars setting everything up around this place and then like bob if you're not done in a week we're canceling we're shutting it down <laughs> And like to the point where they they literally have nuclear missiles under the water waiting to be to be housed in this silo. But while they're doing it, they discover where they're about to build the um, the platform. There's a giant cave underneath. Whoops! And Nia Peebles she wants to check it out, like according to the regs. But the doctor 
uh, who's uh, oh, did I mention? I forgot Matt McCoy's in this, of course. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Silicon Valley's uh, the, the greatest lawyer, car wash lawyer known to man. Um, but the doc, the doctor kind of. He's not into it. He's got to meet that deadline. He doesn't want to go check. So he's just like, I tell you what, why don't we just blow it up? Let's just collapse it and build the silo on top. We haven't got time to check shit. So, of course, they do it. Mm-hmm. And what does that do? <laughs> that opens up the, a portal or a, like a, it awakens a deep sea, kind of prehistoric deep sea creature that uh, does not like uh, lights. <laughs> and what, is, what do all under, undersea uh, vessels have? They got lights. And all hell done break loose. And there is, as you like, you know, like you mentioned before, there's a great decompression scene. Like they're trapped under there primarily because the the decompression thing is blown. Yeah. And they don't have, they can't decompress to get up. And they, at one point, the doctor who's played by Cindy Pickett, the the medical doctor, she's like, we can't do it. It'd be like um, like sticking a like a an egg in a microwave. Like you just explode. Yeah. And. Miguel Ferrer, spoiler <laughs> alert, Miguel Ferrer says, fuck that. He's like the Hicks character. He's <laughs> like, fucking A, man. Nuke it, just nuke it from space. He wants out. Yeah. And he goes up. He It's like he's on one of those, you know, those uh, rides at Luna, at Luna Park and stuff where you go up really fast and yep. then they, they drop you. Yep. He like shoots up in the thing and you watch... The blood come out of every orifice. Yep, and spl- it's a, like a, it's an amazing scene. That's the thing. Like that must be a legitimate effect of the decompression. Is that you just bleed from everything, right? Because yeah. every movie I've seen where that happens, where they don't decompress, <laughs> they bleed they, out of everything. Well, you know what's you know what like there is one, and it only just occurred to me now, but there is one major logic problem in this film. Yeah, the deep sea creature <laughs> does not decompress. Because oh, that's not a problem, because deep sea creatures don't. They're no, they still. It's still got to do with the with the pressure. Yeah, but the no, water but pressure. It's invertebrate most likely, and it doesn't. No, like. this thing. This thing <laughs> has a has a skeleton. Like it's it's not a. It's like a giant crab th- monster, whatever the whatever the hell it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a prawn. But it would still be subject to the like. It, it's one of those. It's like the creature in underwater. Yeah. Where you know it's so deep that the water pressure does weird things to. To, and you know it's pitch black. That's why it doesn't like the light. Yep. The light obviously hurts it. Yep. Um, but it shoots up like a bloody rocket. Like it, <laughs> like they're like they're watching it on. And what I love about all of these kind of movies, like space movies and undersea movies, is the computer technology that their production designer invents, <laughs> yeah. and like the radar system that they have in Deep Star Six makes no logical sense. Like you look at that thing and you're like, this. It's like. As a kid, it's when a I used to play, green screen with like dot matrix sort of, a hundred percent green screen. But it's like a, as a kid when I used to play uh, like flight simulator games on like Commodore sixty four or yeah. you, like the four eight six kind of thing, and yeah. you're like, this radar, you like, you look at the radar, and you're like, I can't tell where anyone is. Like this makes no sense. And yet, you go back and watch the original Star Trek. Everything they did come to fruition. Yeah, although no, look, I've got look, I've got my issues with Star Trek too because you watch a lot of it and they like the the concepts they're talking about are like so advanced when they talk about them they're like blah 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 and this 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 field and that field and I'm you know kicking it up and you just look at the control panel and it's got it's just a slider. I know, I know. But you know it they just, they say that the reason that so much of what Star Trek dealt with te- technologically wise and talked about came to fruition is because the fans of the show went on to become scientists or engineers right. and don't remember. And they called it. Yeah. But there's also, they also, 
there is a there is actually a book out there called The Science of Star Trek. Yeah, where they because they you know the writers were always smart enough to go like the reason um, warp speed is not possible is because of this law. Yeah. So then in the show they will mention like oh when we've got the workaround for Thingo's law, <laughs> you know like they have done their research. Yeah. So and eventually I guess you you, you do figure out ways around. But the one thing issues. that Star Trek didn't have was a talking dolphin and. Sequest DSV, Sequest DSV yeah, and didn't have you know Dreamboat Jonathan Brandis uh, hanging out with that dolphin. Oh, I wouldn't use that term. Dreamboat. No, hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by. I stand by. <laughs> <laughs> so offensive. Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like you, Dorian. Dulorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Dulorium.com today to see what it's all about. So as we established earlier on, uh, boneheads and all that, James went and stole my recommendation. You, know, you got Leviathan ripped from underneath you and... Um, James was cheeky because he started with uh, Ghost Ship and that was all well and good. And, then and I could have done... Ghost Ship was one of the ones I'm like, I could. I don't need to watch this again well, because who cares about what happens in the rest of that film because it has the greatest opening of any <laughs> horror movie ever. Well, they, the, the rest of the movie is almost irrelevant. The problem is they took the theme very literally and thought, no, that's on top of the water, not deep sea. So he, halfway through the... You heard it. Halfway through the, the thing, he changed it to pressure, which is my goddamn recommendation. But fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. Dun, 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 dun. 2015 <laughs> Starring Danny Houston and Matthew Good. And it's a story of about uh, four engineers that find themselves stuck on the ocean floor. They go down there to fix a pipe, like a is pipeline. It, isn't Matthew, Matthew Good's your uh, your new movie boyfriend, isn't he? Oh, I'm going to yeah, get, get that. that yeah. <laughs> As if I wouldn't. Uh, but anyway, so it's these engineers that are down there trying to fix a pipeline. But the something happens on the surface of the ocean... At first, you think it might be a storm, but they become untethered from the ship that's you know holding them, and the ship just vanishes. They don't know what's happened to it. They've lost communication, and so they're submerged in this pod, which has a name for it. I can't remember what it's called. It's like a diving bell or something like that, and they're down there. They're running out of oxygen. They can't just open a hatch and swim up because obviously they're too deep, but also the, the whole pressure issue, uh, and then it becomes, because it's all set in one location inside this pod, it becomes a... a a story of frustration leads to anger, leads to each other taking it out on you know the other guys. And see if they just do what you do in prison, <laughs> just have a little you know kiss in the cuddle, <laughs> well, would have relieved a lot of that as, tension. As time runs out, too, they get into that whole frame of mind that you know, and all good survival films do this, where it's like they realize that one less man means more time for the others, right? So that all comes into it. And it's just a really tense drama in and of itself. But then when you get into the whole like getting up to the surface and the whole pressure thing, once again, we have blood coming out of everywhere. And it's a painful one. Like you watch one of the guys trying to swim to the surface and and you can see the body change as he goes and the scream underwater, you know, just gets muffled out. It's just horrendous. And it really, once again, gave me anxiety watching. But you know what? This is what you're talking about. Matthew Good. Whew. If anything that the offer on Paramount Plus has done for me, it's turned me on to Matthew Good in a big way because I now look at him different. All those movies I thought, oh, he's been a, he's a pussy, he's a bit of a you know a punts and all that kind of stuff. Because he's he's usually like a very sort of uptight British kind of you know fellow or you know he's very you know, Jane Austen type of you know character. 
Yeah, he's too good looking. Suddenly, like everything I watch him in, I see Bob Evans now. Yeah, right. I yeah. really do. And in this one, like, you know, I would have watched this, you know, in 2015 and sort of, oh, Matthew Good, you know, yeah, he's okay. But now I'm watching him going, this guy's fucking great. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know his potential, right? Uh, so look, I don't have a lot to say about this film other than because it's such a simple film, uh, but it's just really well made. It would have been cheap. It's all in one location. And I, yeah, I like the idea that things in the world like this exist where you do have deep pipelines that need maintenance. And how do you do that? And so I'm fascinated by what goes into that and how they do it. And so, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't want that job. You won't be paid a lot of money for that one. But yeah, so there we go. Pressure. Give it a look. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we should have opened with that song, I tell you. Yeah. We should have opened with that should song. Open with that Too late now because we're at the end of the show, Ben. Um, Thank God. I no. cannot tell you how good it's been to have you back on the desk. So cheers for another one, mate. It's been great. I'm. It's a shame that, and I don't want to, once again, I don't want to pull apart the curtain too much, but it's a shame that it was a monsoon <laughs> while I was driving here. But apart from that, it's been great being back. <laughs> Is it what? Are, what are you? What, my tires are bald. Are no, yeah. no, they're completely roadworthy. What you're saying is you weathered the storm for me, mate. I did. Yes, I weathered the storm. And you'll never become untethered. <laughs> There'll always be room on my door for you, Glenn. Oh, that's nice to know. Should have just watched Titanic again. Yeah, I could. I could do that. Draw me like one of your French girls, Jack. Oh, I was expecting my name at the end of that, <laughs> and I, w- I would have. Let's do the uh, the habitual whip around and thank our amazing team. Thank you to Jarrett, Yemo, Joe, Chad, and James. Thieves. For filthy bastards. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great. And the rest of the team uh, who contribute elsewhere. We've got Chloe, Melzi, and Sam, all superstars. Hey, next week's show is one you want to stick around for because uh, anything goes. Next Monday. That's what we're doing. We're all just going to be talking about anything goes. Yeah, and singing. And singing. Yeah. Well, we could we could throw some Indiana Jones into the mix, surely. Uh, it is a no-theme show. We're just going to randomly talk about movies that we choose without a theme. Um, so who knows how that's going to go. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, don't forget, before we run, head to our website, enter those competitions, and engage with us on social media. Like and subscribe. Leave us a positive review on any podcast platform and as you heard earlier listen to us on newsly like get your your news from newsly it's a a great little platform thanks for listening everyone hope you have a great week it's been fun gonna leave you with a song called the unknown it's by bonnie x clyde and it is from underwater which is you know we never talked about underwater but that is a banger banger movie really really highly recommend Mm. yep i thoroughly enjoyed underwater even though it does have uh uh, Yeah, no, that's I didn't have a problem with her. I quite, I quite like her. Yeah, I don't mind her. Um, Ehrlich. Ehrlich Buckman from Silicon Valley. Ah, yes. I can't remember what his name is. I was like, we were talking about him before. What a way to end the show. What a way, yeah. yeah. Just, oh, Ben's, Ben's Alzheimer's kick it in. <laughs> kick it in right at the end of the show. Yeah.